We're going to be in John chapter 6. If you want to grab a Bible, John chapter 6 is where we're going to be. It's about three quarters of the way through the Bible. It's the fourth gospel. It's page, it's about this far. If you've never opened a Bible before, it's like that far through. And here's what I want to uh, start as you're getting there with this question. Have you ever wanted to just quit or throw in the towel and go back to bed? How many of you feel like that already today? A few of you. <laughs> you just, you're, whatever's going on, whatever challenges in your life, even if it's small or big, you just are like, I don't know if I can make this. I just want to go back to bed. I just want to quit. When I think about that question, the first thing that comes to my mind was 22 years ago, my oldest son, Ben, was being born. It was active labor. And my wife was in active labor. It seemed like forever. Ever, and we're in the birthing suite, and my feet are tired. I have been up all night, right? And I'm wondering how long. Are you, there's women in here. They're laughing. <laughs> right? What are you talking about? But I'm wondering to myself, how long is this gonna go? And then the doctor, who said something, and it felt like the whole room sort of stopped. He said to my wife Anne, who was doing amazing. He said, Ann, do you just want to give up? And she, I think she actually said this. She looked at him and said, uh, is that an option? Like, can, are there options and that's one I can take? And he said, no, you can't choose that. And so it sort of was a motivating point. Like, even in the hard stuff, obviously we want to give up. But it's not just the hard stuff. It's the small things of life. Voting, last Tuesday. Seems like weeks ago, but I think it wasn't it just last Tuesday. Help me out. Are you awake? Do we need to do jumping jacks this morning? All right, so uh, voting was recent. I wanted to vote on the Tuesday that voting was open, and so I went at 5.15 in the morning because I wanted to be, and there was a line already, right? And so I uh, considered, oh, there's a line, but I stood in line, but I watched people as the line grew for the next 45 minutes get in line, and then somebody said, well, it's kind of cold, and then they just left. Some people went to work, I get that, yeah, but they just gave up. Or what about this? How many of you, because I did this this week, you woke up, and you went outside to jump in the car and run to work, and you realized there's frost on the windows. Come on! How many of you have scrapers in your car already? Okay, type A, really planned people. Good for you, but the rest of us were frustrated. Wanted to go back to bed when we saw that. We just wanted to give up. So likely all of us have had those moments, right, where you just want to sort of throw in the towel, big or small. I want to shift my original question into something a little more spiritual. And here's the question that even I'm considering today. When times are tough, what's our faith response? When times get tough, what's our faith response? Are we leaning into the things that Jesus taught us to do, or are we shrinking back when times get tough and maybe pausing, throwing in a tough? Now, I realize that some of you are doing amazing. Keep doing that. But for some of us, like me, I'm just being transparent. The last, oh, probably 14 days have been hard. Lots of questions, plans, plans are changing, what do we do? And so my schedule has been a little crazy. And so even things like Sabbath, we should take a Sabbath, we should rest, we should rely on God has been challenging for me. 
which means what I'm telling God in those moments is I can do this all myself. I don't need your help. I'm just going to muscle through it, which is way not the case. But when times are tough, do we ignore, shrink back, and not follow the teachings of Jesus? It's easy to give up on those things. And when we look at Scripture, this is nothing new, right? When we look at Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, we're continually reminded, don't give up. No matter how hard it gets, don't give up. Here's one example in the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles 15.7. I won't unpack the whole what's going on in the account, but the, God is talking to someone who's going through a really challenging, difficult issue. And God says, but as for you, be strong and do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. All throughout Scripture, even in the New Testament, Galatians 6, 9, Paul's writing a church. He says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we go back to bed in our cozy slippers and just take a nap. No, it says, if we don't give up. When I read this, if you want to leave this scripture up, what's interesting to me about this scripture today is the beginning of it says, let us not become weary in doing good. We should be doing good when we're out and about. And I just had this uh, mental picture come to me this morning. We're living at a time where we should be, as Christians, as people who follow Jesus, out in the world doing good things. Even if it means if you're getting gas or you're buying something at the store, being nice to the clerk. But the world right now is sort of showing us that it's making it more difficult. You go to the clerk, there's masks, there's plexiglass. It's really even hard to say a good word because everybody's sort of tuned out. It's really challenging to do that. But Paul is writing, and Jesus is telling us, don't give up in doing good works. So many examples in Scripture where people along seemingly a good journey just gave up. There's a, a, a rich guy that came to Jesus because he heard that Jesus was teaching some amazing things. Now, this rich guy, his life was going fairly well. But he asked Jesus, what do I have to do to have eternal life? And Jesus, they back, go back and forth, and, and Jesus said, well, essentially, you have to sell everything. And he walked away. Can we just pause for a minute? He walked away from the very thing he needed most. There was a king in the Old Testament that God actually appointed him as king. His name is Saul. At the beginning of his life, things were going great. He was following God. But later, he became sort of a knucklehead. That's my word, not the Bible's word. He became sort of a knucklehead to the point that God actually looked down and said he regretted for making Saul king because life got hard for Saul and he just sort of walked away. What about Judas? He was one of the 12 disciples, close enough to Jesus to see the miracles that we read today. Hearing the teachings, it would have been incredible. Life was hard, and so Judas ended up just selling out Jesus, literally, and walked away. If we think of accounts today, I think we can at least what I see, is people walking away from the small things God are tell, is telling us to do because of COVID, relationship issues, questions about sex, school, what do we do in a world that's sort of crazy politically? 
what are we supposed to do when God tells us to do all these action steps and we're supposed to be gracious and we're supposed to love our neighbor and we're supposed to be nice to people, but it's hard. What do we do? And the world's telling us over and over again what to do and it's counter to Jesus. So I want to focus on something today. We're in a series called Audience of One. And in this series, we are trying to put Jesus as our audience. We're trying to make him the supreme person in every decision. This is well beyond just saying, yes, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. It's in those micro, very small, day-to-day decisions where the world would love to cram themselves in and tell you what to do. When times get tough, it's in those situations saying, Jesus, you're the Lord. The title of the talk today is, Who Do You Follow? And my point is for us to ask that, including me, ask, those, ask that question in those really small decisions that come up frequently. Who do you follow? And I want to unpack that thought in John chapter 6, which is our text today. And in John chapter 6, before I get to the scripture, I need to give you a little background. Jesus had just fed 5,000 people in this miraculous way. He he was just given a a few loaves of bread and some fish, and he multiplied them, and it fed a ton of people. And people were amazed, and so they were following him to the point that some people are actually calling themselves disciples of Jesus. Not just the 12, but many people were. And so they followed him to the other side of a lake. And he started teaching. And in part of this teaching... You should read it later, all of John chapter 6. But in part of the teaching, he shares this. In verse 56, 656, he says, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I am them. That's weird. I'm just being honest. That's even today, it's a little odd. But today, we get the benefit if we've been following Jesus long enough to know that he was foreshadowing himself pouring his blood out for our sins, hanging on the cross and dying for our sins. We get to understand that a little better than the people who were listening to him say this back then. So there was confusion. John chapter 6, verse 60, he goes on, he says, On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to him, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. Verse 66, it says this, from this time many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave me too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. There's a lot in there that I want to sort of pick apart for us today. But before I do that, will you pray with me? So, Father, we thank you for your words. 
for your truth. And today we come before you and we just, we ask to hear your voice, your wisdom, your spirit, your power in the midst of a crazy world. So will you open up our hearts and our minds and our ears to your message today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, if you grab your program on the back of it, a couple fill in the blanks. That will help guide us along. Here's what I see. Acknowledging Jesus as Lord means sticking through the hard stuff. You can write that in. Sticking through the hard stuff. Imagine for a minute, as you're writing that down, that you're placed back in this biblical account, that maybe you've heard that this Jesus had been teaching amazing things, miracles have been happening, people are getting healed, all of a sudden 5,000 men, arguably many more people, are fed by this miracle of he was able to multiply fish and loves. There's this excitement in the air. Because back then, life was not easy for them either. The Romans weren't amazing rulers. There were struggles of the day. And so here's this guy who is teaching amazing things. Let's go figure out what he's going to say next. And then out of nowhere, seemingly, he says, you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Whoa. That is somewhat of a curveball. John 6, 60 says this, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? They even went on to grumble about it to the point that Jesus asked them, well, does this offend you? Because they had come listening for the fun stuff. In a hard season, they wanted to hear the uplifting Verses of God. What is he going to say next? They wanted to see the next miracle. They wanted to see a healing. It was going to be amazing. I mean, don't we like that even today? In hard seasons, don't we like leaning back to the great comforting things of Jesus? Look at this, John 14, 8. When it's hard in your hard season, look at this, John 14, 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I love that teaching from Jesus. At the hardest points of your life, Jesus is saying, hey, if you follow me, you're not alone. I'm going to adopt you as a son or a daughter. And I love that it says, I will come to you. He's coming to us when we have hard times. That is a wonderful verse to lean back to, and it's true. What about Psalm 23? Some of you know Psalm 23. It says this, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Oh, that's nice. I lack nothing. Nothing. It goes on, he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. It's truth. It's comforting. I love that. But in a, a hard, challenging season, what do we do with the challenging teachings of Jesus? Because there's some challenging stuff in here. There's an a, account of a man who wanted to follow Jesus literally, and his dad died. I sort of had compassion for him because my dad passed away last year. My father-in-law just passed away about a month ago, and so I have this compassion, and the, the guy says, hey, uh, Jesus, I want to follow you, but I, I need to bury my dad. And this is Jesus's response in Matthew 8. He says this. Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. That's challenging. 
There's not a lot of, I'm just being transparent, there's not a lot of comfort in the midst of loss, in the middle of that. And so what do we do with it? Or, or what about this? Peter, later on, he's following Jesus. He's one of the 12 disciples. And Peter apparently is getting hurt by other people. Did you guys know, maybe you didn't know this, that people hurt people? Yes? People hurt people. And so Peter goes to Jesus and says, hey, um, you teach, forgive. this is my version, you teach that we're supposed to forgive. So how, like, how many times do I have to forgive people who are hurting me? Is it three? Is it seven? Like, how many times? And Jesus responds with this in Matthew 18. He says, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Other versions of the Bible, 70 times seven, like a lot. But in this version, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Which means, if you do the math, that's 76 times that someone has hurt you that you have to go back and say, ah, may I forgive you? That's hard. Jesus taught that we should sell everything to follow him. That if you commit adultery, you commit adultery if you divorce your spouse. To turn the other cheek if someone slaps you. To Sabbath and have a day off. To give 10% to tithe. To gouge out your eye if it causes you to sin. There's quite a few verses that are hard. So what do we do with those? I was reminded just this last week in our school of ministry. We have a school of ministry, 20 students in it. And this last week, Pastor Mark was teaching on revival history. And he, he shared this account in this video of uh, the revival in Asbury College in 1970. And if you don't know the account, I'll try to share it and try to be as accurate as possible. But in 1970, at this small college in Kentucky, the students were having chapel. And during morning chapel, instead of a sermon, one of the students got up and shared their testimony, what, what God had been doing in their life. And it was followed by another student, and then another student, and then another student. And it kept going that day into the evening, and then the next day. And God was breaking out and doing incredible things. And the president of the college recounted this story where he sat in the back of the auditorium as this was happening. And a student came up to him. And the student leaned down and said, hey, I need to talk to you. And they went and they talked. And, and the student said, she said, I, I just have to tell you, I'm a liar. And the president of the college said, okay. And she said, no, 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 you don't understand. I am a compulsive liar. And I'm convicted. What do I do? And he said, well, you, you need to go back and apologize to the people that you have lied to. And her response was something like this, I cannot do that because that will destroy me. I have to go back to the very people that I lied to and I have to apologize? I can't. It's too hard. The president of the college said, well, why don't you try? Because I don't think it'll destroy, I think it'll give you life. And she left and he, he didn't know really what she was going to do. Well, she came back. A couple of days later, and her whole continence had changed. The way she looked, the way she was walking, and she walked into his office and said, I'm free! I'm finally free! And he said, well, okay, what, is, what happened? And she said, I went back to over 30 people that I had lied to, that I could remember, and I apologized and repented and asked for their forgiveness. And I am finally free. 
in that moment, that student followed the teachings of Jesus, even though it was hard. She made in that moment Jesus Lord, and she was free. You can write this down. Our response to Jesus' teaching clarifies our lordship position. Our response to Jesus' teaching clarifies our lordship position. Especially when times are challenging. This isn't just saying yes to Jesus once. This is saying all throughout my day, when it's hard, am I going to make Jesus the Lord? Are we going to make Jesus the Lord of our day, of our decisions, of our struggles? Are we going to do that? Or are we just going to leave and hide and go the other way? Because in Scripture, that's what happens. John 6, if we go back to the account, it says this, from, that, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. I don't know how many that was, but a whole bunch of people that called themselves disciples of Jesus who sat at his feet waiting for the comfortable verses got to a hard one and said, I'm out. This is too hard. It's challenging. I can't even. But not the 12. There were 12 disciples who leaned in, who stuck with him. And they leaned in close enough that Jesus was actually able to ask them a question. He says this, you don't want to leave me too, do you? Now, now to clarify that, I'm not sure if you know the life of the disciples, I'm not sure if the disciples had all of Jesus' teaching figured out. I don't know if they understood the whole eat my flesh, drink my blood thing. Because when you watch the disciples, they're a confused bunch of people. At some point, Jesus actually even like told them that they were dense. If we look back to the account at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he's at the temple, and while he's at the temple, he says, hey, I'm going to tear the temple down, and it'll be rebuilt. It's a foreshadowing of him on the cross. Everyone was confused. What do you mean? It's taken forever to rebuild this, to, to build this temple, and you're talking about tearing it down and rebuilding it in three days? That's just crazy. But if we look at the account here, this is a nuance. I love this. In John 2, it says this. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he said. Then they believed the scripture and all the words that Jesus had spoken. It sort of highlights the point that throughout the journey, the disciples didn't have everything figured out. But they stuck in there. Acknowledging Jesus as Lord means sticking through the hard stuff. The other thing that I see in the text is this. Acknowledging Jesus as Lord means establishing him as the supreme option. You can write that down. Establishing him as the supreme option. That's a weird way to put it. But it's establishing Jesus as the highest voice. That there is no other better teaching. It's him. And some of you are doing great at this. I want to look at Simon Peter's response when Jesus said in John 6, 60, you don't want to leave too, do you? Simon Peter says something. I really, want to, I really love slowing scripture down so we can see the details. So Jesus asks the disciples, you don't want to leave me too, do you? And Simon Peter says this. Lord, 
To whom shall we go? What was the first thing that Simon Peter said to Jesus? This is the interactive part. What was the first thing that Simon Peter said to Jesus? One more time. He said, Lord. He acknowledged Jesus as Lord. Did you know that this is the first time in the book of John that Simon Peter addresses Jesus as Lord? He doesn't address him rabbi. He doesn't address him teacher or Jesus. He, right at the offset, when he could derail and and go someplace else, he says, Lord. He set Jesus as the supreme option. And then he says this, to whom shall we go? Whom? He's alluding to the fact that at biblical times, there were other teachers teaching different things that were likely way more comfortable, that didn't talk about eating flesh and drinking blood, which is where all the other disciples went. They didn't like the hard teaching, so there's other teachers around that you could go to. It's not too dissimilar from where we're at today. This week, actually it was two days ago, I went to YouTube, and I searched, not because I'm having relational issues, but I searched on like dealing with relational crisis relationship crisis. And did you know in YouTube that you can actually, don't do this, uh, don't search for this because it's a mess, but you can actually search for videos that were uploaded in the last day or in the last week. And so I just said, I want to know what the videos look like for the last week on dealing with relationship crisis. Click the search button. Literally hundreds, hundreds of brand new teachings, opinions, advice, videos. We are at a time that the Bible tell us, tells us that we would be in. Look at this, 2 Timothy 4.3. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. We are at a time where we likely have the most access to a great number of teachers than ever in history. If we don't like the teachings of Jesus, if it's too hard, if we're in a problem or we have a question, we can go out to some social media site, go out to YouTube and get all sorts of other advice about COVID, about relationship issues, about sex, about money, about jobs, you name it. Other people, the world is willing to step into that gap and tell you what to do. And can I just share my opinion? It's tearing us apart. It's not working. But there's hope. Here's the hope. John 6, 63 in the account that we read today. The words, this is Jesus saying this. The words I've spoken to you, they're full of the spirit and life. When life gets challenging for me, when I'm in a challenging situation, I need the Spirit of God in the middle of that. I need something that brings me life, not something from the world that tears us apart. Not something in the world that creates, we're at a time, doesn't it feel like we are at the, maybe it's just me, we're at the most divisive time where everything we talk about is binary. It's either this or that, and if you have not anchored in one of those two positions, you're just wrong. It's like we're constantly at war no matter the topic. It's exhausting. I need teaching in my life that brings me life. 
Amen. Okay. Peter, in this account, after Jesus says this, Peter says this. He ends the conversation this way. John 6, 68, 69. You have the words of eternal life. And look what he says. We've come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Simon answers him, we've resolved it. We've just come to believe that you're the God, you're the Lord. Do you realize that Simon Peter in that moment could have said, Jesus, can you just please clarify the whole eating the flesh, drinking the blood thing? And he didn't. He, he did not. He just, in the middle of that confusing time, life was challenging. Jesus is teaching on some hard things. And he just says, we've resolved it. You can write this down. Jesus was Lord because they resolved the question without having all the answers. For me, this book still sometimes is confusing. And it's hard. The, the season that we're in now for most of us is challenging as we think about decisions out and about, as we're told what to do, what not to do. It's just hard. We were talking in the office that many decisions that we make today just seem 40% harder than they need to be. And in those decisions, when the world wants to wrench their opinion and their teaching and their advice into our lives, the best option that we have is just resolve that the teaching that we need the advice that we need on all those issues is from the Lord. To whom else shall we go? To whom shall we go? The Lord has life in the Spirit of God in it. So acknowledging Jesus as Lord means sticking through the hard stuff and establishing him as the supreme option. Why don't you stand? We're going to move into a time of prayer. couple of options today at the end to respond to the message before you leave. If you have anything going on in your life that could benefit from prayer, there's a few prayer people that would love to pray with you. Just come sit in the front row and they'll uh, come by and ask what they could pray for and they won't keep you forever and they will pray. Online, uh, there's a team of people online that will pray for anything. Just post on there that you have a prayer request. Before we leave, I want to do a big group prayer. And it's, uh, and it's this, if you are someone in the room, you, I'm not going to ask you to move, if you're someone in the room, or maybe online even, who it just seems like the season that you're in, everything's 40% harder, and you really want to make Jesus as Lord in the small things, I want to just pray encouragement and conviction for that. So if that's you, just raise your hand. You don't have to raise it way up, just a little bit raise, so I can tell who I'm praying for. All right, so thank you, Lord, for everything that you're doing today. And I pray for those in the room, for those online who are, the word that just came to mind, who are exhausted by what's happening in the world today. Would you refresh them? Jesus' account says that he has the words of life. And so, God, would you help us have the conviction to follow your word, to make you, Jesus, Lord of our life, 
in every single decision. And I pray for anyone in the room or online who has listened to other teaching or is searching the world for answers, God, would you convict us to get back to sitting at your feet and loving your words more than anyone else's. I pray that in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.